Hello, everybody. Say good morning to your neighbor. We have uh, desert wastelands early this morning, so if you feel like moving to different chairs to make the place seem fuller, that would be great. <laughs> Say good morning to everybody online. Hello, Facebook people. It is so good to see everybody. We're thankful that you're here. We're going to get started. Um, we love to worship with music. And then uh, Pastor Brent will bring the word and uh, worship also in our fellowship. So if there's somebody that God puts on your heart to talk to or to pray for, absolutely. We want to give you the freedom to do that and just be open and willing to, uh, yeah, to serve and follow uh, what the Lord's saying. Um, Kaylee's got something she wants to share as uh, we get started this morning. Yeah, so we're doing um, our series on spiritual warfare, this series, and um, at 11.30 last night, which if you know me is like an hour and a half past my bedtime, so that's how I knew it was God talking to me at 11.30 last night, um, I just kept getting the word that God is exceedingly and abundantly um, more than anything we could ask or imagine. So I wanted to read that out of Ephesians for us, and that would be the prayer over us this morning, and then... Um, we're going to start with some music. And it's called for uh, prayer for spiritual strength. So I thought, that's pretty cool. God, thanks for giving me that yesterday when we're talking about this. Um, so it's out of Ephesians 3, and it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get started with the music. If you want to stand or worship however you're comfortable, um, we invite you to do that.
Well, good morning, Vineyard. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome everyone out in internet land also. We're glad you're with us. Uh, Pastor Brent will be preaching today from our exciting new sermon series, Spiritual Warfare. The message today is the armor of God is found in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And I'm sure one of the things he'll be talking about is... The helmet of salvation. So make sure you put your helmets on. I also know that uh, Brent had talked to me a little bit earlier. He's been under some spiritual attack through this. So, Lord, right now we pray for Brent, Lord. We pray your blessing upon him today. Protect him. Bless him. And, Lord, use him in a powerful way in his message on spiritual warfare today. In Jesus' name, amen. Food Resource Center working again this week, tomorrow, Monday, May Day, May Day, May Day. It's May tomorrow. Woohoo! We need volunteers from 4:30 to 6 to help do the bags, food bags, and then on Tuesday from 11 to 3 or from 4 to 7. So make sure that you come and help if you can. Speaking of food, Saturday, May 13th, our church is assisting. Stamp Out Hunger, the postal food drive, which we've helped uh, a number of years with the Wycliffe Post Office. They'll begin dropping off food from, at our church from mid-Saturday morning till 4. So we need some volunteers, 10 to 12, to come and help weigh, inspect, and sort the food. So please show up around 10.30 if you can help. And again, that's Saturday, May 13th. Mark your calendars. It's coming again. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. The church rummage sale is on its way. It will be uh, June 2nd through 3rd. We'll start cleaning your closet, but don't bring it in quite yet. We will not be accepting things until May 30th. So check it out. Get ready for the rummage sale. Also, don't forget the offering today. Again, a reminder, uh, we God does mighty things, but he does that by spreading the resources that we give him. So please come and donate and help. Again, a reminder to also support our church rebuilding plan with what you can do with that. So with that, God bless. Have a great day, and Pastor Brent will be up shortly.
So um, if you've been around here much, you've probably seen me come in with all this junk on. Have you ever seen that? Like all this stuff that I wear when I come in? It's, um, it actually is protective armor. This is, um, I don't have my helmet. My helmet's right over there, which I wear all the time. I do not not wear a helmet. But this actually has protection in the spine, the shoulders, the front. It's made of all kinds of cool materials. All right, I'll put it up there. Um, it's made out of all kinds of cool materials that uh, help you. It's able to skid across the asphalt at about 100 miles an hour for about 80 feet, you know, which is something could be good to know, good to have. Um, and then the helmet that I wear, they do all kinds of testing on them and, and um, uh, work out kind of all the bugs and... The, we we wear all this stuff all the time. Teresa and I do all the time. So and then I, the same thing with the pants. These pants actually have stuff from down by your shoes, and the shoes actually have stuff in them that protects you. And we've been doing this for almost as long as I've been riding motorcycles. Um, in fact, on the first motorcycle I got, the guy gave me a helmet, and I didn't know much about. This is like back in before most of you were some of you were born, a long time ago. It was back in. Um, 1977, I got my first bike, and uh, the guy gave me, I bought, went to pick up this bike, and I didn't really know what I was doing, and so I, I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle, but I didn't want to tell the guy, you know, it was like, I mean, no guy wants to tell another guy, hey, how do you drive this? So I just got on it, I found a gear, I drove that gear all the way home, and he gave me this helmet, and I put that on because I thought, well, that looks like a good idea. But I didn't realize it was a really old helmet. Helmets actually, for their, they use a crushable material inside in case you get in a crash. You can only crash in them once. And the, it's a, basically a type of styrofoam. And this one is so old that the styrofoam kept falling out in my face while I'm driving. And so, um, but ever since then, I've, I've, I've always weird, weird, I'm sorry. I told you, I, I didn't sleep much last night, and my, I'm on some medication for my hip, and so if I say weird things, that's why. Um, weirder things. Um, so anyway, I, all these years we've been wearing it, and every time we leave the house, sometimes she used to go, do we need to wear all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, we do. We do. And, and the reason we do is because we don't know. If I knew the day I might have a crash... I wouldn't wear it any other day, you know. I would ride. I wouldn't ride naked, but you know, I'd ride this. There actually is a group that does that every year, just to see how if you ride safer naked, because you know how careful you are. Um, hopefully, you won't run across those guys. Um, anyway, I'm not planning on doing that, unless I go really crazy, and then you'll see it on the news, and I won't be your pastor anymore. So, um, but anyway, uh, we. Um, we, we actually needed it one time, and it was, ironically, it was within about, like they usually say, it was about six or eight blocks from our house. And a kid on a, in a 67 Mustang without a right-hand mirror, you know, Lakeshore, it's two directions each way. He's like in this lane. And he decides, and I, I don't know how, he didn't see me because he didn't have a right-hand mirror on the 67 Mustang, but he had his windows down. He had to hear me. I mean, you, get, you can't not hear me. My bike isn't loud. My stereo is. So anyway, he decides, he misses his turn. He decides, he makes a turn from this lane. So he's going, we're going like this. He goes, doink, does a doink right into us. And all I see is, is like 
bike, and then I just woke up on the sidewalk, or on the street. And I guess there was a police officer that was kind of watching, and he saw me fly over the, fly over the uh, guy's car, and, you know, the guy kind of kept going. <laughs> you know, he's like, ah, you know, he freaked out. So we flew over. I landed on my head and my, my back. And amazingly, I, I had very few injuries. For I was going about 35. And what I ended up with, some of you know, I, I broke my scapula, which is kind of a big deal. It's that big bone in the back, your shoulder blade kind of thing. And so that was a couple years to get that really functionally working well again. But if I hadn't had the stuff on, guess what? I would be even weirder than I am now. So, um, no, you know, and, and you know, the, what I'm talking about today is spiritual armor. Is being ready in life, because we don't know in life. You know, like I said, if Teresa and I knew that that day we were going to have a crash, we, well, actually, we didn't have to do anything different, because guess what? We always have it on. And some people might go, well, you've only used it once in 45 years. That's how many crashes I've had in 45 years on a motorcycle, one. But guess what I needed that one time? I needed it. We don't know when or how things might come at us. And, and we have to deal with a lot of difficult things. We all have to deal with hard things in life. And some of those things are just part of life. They're just part of the hard things that happen in life. We get older. Our body, you know, like, for me, my hip starts hurting and stuff like that. And there's normal things that happen in life that are hard. You know, relationships sometimes are hard. Um, getting up in the morning is hard sometimes. <laughs> you know, going through life, getting older is hard. But there's something beyond that in life that, that, that supersedes that, that Paul talks about in the passage we're going to be looking at today, that isn't just normal hard stuff. It's actually that there's there's an actual spiritual reality going on in our world. While we're meeting right here, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God, and he talked a lot about Satan. And so there, we, we kind of exist sort of in what might be considered almost like a multiverse. But the multiverse isn't located in some other location. The multiverse is actually very close and interconnected with our world. And some of the things that happen here are a direct result of what's going on there. Like when, when, when God, you know, is doing things there, when he's trying to bring about his kingdom, when he's trying to bring about his rightness and all that kind of stuff, he, the control center for how he does that is in the, in the kingdom of heaven. It's in God's kingdom. But there's also evil powers that are at work in those things, and Paul calls them, as we'll see here in a minute, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. And um, in the heavenly realms. And, and those also uh, exist. And, there's, 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 and, and if you haven't experienced this before, and if you're new to the church and you're going, this is just weird, what is he talking about? You know? Because we live in, you know, we live in America, we're, we're, we're scientific people, we don't believe in all that what weird stuff. And... Um, Probably for a long time I didn't, but once you begin starting to do some of this stuff, you begin to start believing in it because you realize, oh my gosh, I think I might be getting attacked. You know, I think this isn't normal. You know, it isn't normal to have five cars try and drive into me in one day. That just seems kind of weird, you know. Um, so anyway, let me pray first. Father, just come. And you said even in this passage that... Um, 
that uh, the Apostle Paul prayed that, that the church would pray for him, that he would speak boldly. And I pray to be able to speak boldly, clearly. I pray that you would meet our hearts. pray that you would um, use this to, to deal with some of the internal lies that we tell ourselves. And that you would help us to become freer people. That you'd become, help us to become more aware people. And that you would um, energize us so that, that we don't just become lethargic and, and don't have any kind of battles going on at all because we're not a threat. Help us to um, move forward in your kingdom and in, in, in your power to do the things you've called us to do in the strength that you've given to us. And give me the strength to do that today. Amen. And so, as we go about this message, um, it's a message from uh, uh, Ephesians 6, and it's on spiritual battle. And it's kind of funny, in in Ephesians 6, um, Paul, as he's writing this, talks about spiritual battles. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So there are schemes. Schemes means plans. Organized strategies. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he says there's a battle going on, but it's not against, and this is really important for us, I think, especially as we come into an election year and stuff. He says it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against the other political party that we don't know. It can be influenced, the, the powers that be can influence one party or another. It's not against this news station versus this news station. It's not even against people. We, our enemy is isn't other people. The enemy can use other people, but our enemy isn't other people. What did Jesus say? How did Jesus say we're supposed to treat our enemies? We're supposed to love them, right? How did Jesus treat his enemy? He loved them. And so as we're doing this, one of the dangers that can come from reading a passage like this is that people can go, yeah, let's go, you know, whatever. And this has been used to justify like the Crusades in the past. It's been used for hate campaigns against people that are different from us. It's been used for all kinds of things. And so, but anyway, he goes on. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, and we don't always know which, you know, what he's talking about there, the day of evil. Well, I think there are certain times in life when, when the stuff just, you know, principalities, powers, or whatever, decide to put specific attacks against us. And, and that we want to be ready for those times, right? We don't know when the car is going to drive into us. Therefore, put on God's full armor so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, 
Words may be given me that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul is a pretty prolific speaker, I think. And yet he says, I need power, and I need your prayers. I need you, and this is me too, I need you to pray for me that I would speak as I'm supposed to. So if this is a bad sermon, it's your fault. Um, So that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So let me just go through some simple things. Let me go through why we need to do this, how we need to do this, what we need to do, and then some final words on being a community and praying. So the first one is why. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes on. And a couple times in here, he talks about standing, and he says at the end of it, and having done everything to stand. And you know what? One of the most significant things you can do in life is walk through a life and have a life of faithfulness through the whole thing. You know, we have several presidents. Over, have, you know, we've had a lot of presidents. And certain presidents are remembered for certain things. Bill Clinton is remembered for what? Monica Lewinsky. Richard Nixon. Watergate. Some of you are going, who, what? Richard, who's Richard Nixon, you know? You know, and, and, and the sad thing is that, that one thing ends up defining those people. And even in, in ministry over the years, I've seen a lot of my colleagues and stuff fall and, and get sucked away. And, and a years, you know, years of fruitful life for them has been taken away because they, they didn't end well. One of my goals in life is that I want to end well. Somebody asked me at one of the conferences we were at recently, they said, how, do you stay, how have you stayed faithful you know, doing this thing for so many years? You've been doing it for, you know, I've been doing this for like, Teresa and I have been doing it for like 45 years, different, you know, here and in Minnesota. And I said, first of all, it's just God's grace. I mean, God's grace gets us here. You know, it's His grace. But it's also come as a result of a realization that there are, there are evil things around there that are trying to take us out. Sometimes, literally, it's, sometimes I'll just be a, really a lot more careful driving because it'll be weird. I, I don't know if everybody just on certain days takes bad driving pills or something or what the deal is, but, you know, you've had that happen probably where it's like, what the heck is going on? You know, and then there are other times when, when you're just... a, a you know, like the movies or the book series that's a series of unfortunate circumstances or whatever. You know, and I, and I don't believe so much in just random circumstances anymore. I, I, I'm not saying that behind everything there's a demon, because I think that's kind of an extreme. But I also think it's kind of, kind of stupid to just relegate everything in life to either sociological, psychological, um, physiological realities. There are a lot of things that happen. Yeah, that's physical. My hip is a physical thing, you know. There are psychological things go on that shape us. But there's also we you know, we're we're kind of funny in some ways we we kind of think other cultures that that believe in some of those things are old and they don't really understand the way the world works and but maybe sometimes it's us who don't understand the way the world works. I was speaking last night to our Indian friends, and I said one, one of the things I told our Indian friends is, is don't lose 
your belief in the supernatural world. Now, don't hold on to some of the misbeliefs of the supernatural world, but you're coming into America, and one of the things that happens often to people that have a, already have a belief in the supernatural world is they lose it coming here because we're so good at kind of either... Pre- we may give lip service to it, but we kind of don't live as if it's a reality. And one of the things that Teresa and I have learned over the years is that it is a reality. I had a, a dream about a month ago, and I had our staff, we have our, we have our staff meets every Friday. I have our staff, not every Friday, but most Fridays. I had our staff pray for it because it was a weird dream. It was a dream that there was a bunch of baby rattlesnakes all over the place, and we were trying to get through them, and there's poisonous snakes all over. And then there were these spiders pushing out kind of this good-looking candy that I'm going, here, eat some of this. But there were yucky, icky spiders. And I had the staff pray for it because I said, I think that, you know, I think there's just some spiritual gunk coming our way. And holy crap, from that point on, our, our, Teresa and I, it's, you know, uh, daily I was sending stuff out to Jim and Denise and going, okay, this and this and this and this and this and this and this happened today. I mean, we, Teresa and I were like, wow, there's, this has been a lot of stuff, you know, just thing after thing after thing. And you could look at that and go, well, yeah, you're just going through a bad spell, you know, it'll turn around kind of thing. We could look at that and say, no, there, there's, there's somebody out there who doesn't love us and who doesn't like us and doesn't, you know, want us to be doing what we're doing. Um, Tim Keller, then by the way, some of this message is kind of based on some of Tim Keller's stuff, but one of the things that he says, which is really kind of helpful, is he says, Paul, Paul saves this passage for the end of Ephesians. And he's, when, as he's going through Ephesians, he's talking about all the cool things, that what we have in Christ, that we've been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. That through Christ, those who are far away, those who are near can be brought together in Christ. That, that when Jesus died and was resurrected, that, that he um, ascended to the throne of the Father. And when he ascended, it means that he became the ruler of all the universe. And, and so Paul's laid out all these awesome things, and then he's telling us how we're supposed to live in light of those things. You know, and one of the things he tells us, which is kind of interesting in Ephesians 3, is he says, therefore, you know, um, take off your old life and put on your new life. In this passage, he says, put on God's armor, and I'll get to what that means in a minute. But, um, you know, at the very end of this, Paul goes, and by the way... Finally, be strong in, in the Lord and in the strength of his might because we're in a battle. If, somebody, if you're working somewhere and your boss... So by the way, these don't, I have suspenders that I wear with these, but everybody was teasing. Some people were teasing me, and so I took them off. And so if they fall down, there are pants underneath here. <laughs> they think there are. Yeah, there are. Good. Um, just want to make sure. Um, anyway... Uh, You know, if you had a boss and he sent you out to, on a building project or something and he said, okay, you know, here's what you're going to go do, here's how you're going to do it, da 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 Oh, and by the way, you're going to want to bring a flak jacket and, a, a, you know, a bulletproof helmet, some, some good strong boots, some protection for your thighs and maybe, uh, you know, some, some things to, to shield off attacks you know you might there, there there's some enemies out there i have enemies 
not me, but you know, your boss is telling you that. I have enemies, and you're, you've joined with my side now, so you have enemies too. And so you, you, you might want to be ready, for, you know, not, you might not, not might, you need to be ready for this. You need to be ready. And, and you, you know, if you were going out to that job, you'd probably go, good to know, you know. It's good to know that people are going to be shooting at us. It's good to know that there's going to be. And I usually tell when people come on staff in the church or start leading a ministry, I try and tell people, hey, you know what? When you do this, you're probably going to get some pushback because there is an enemy out there. And you don't always encounter this enemy until you decide to start going and participating in God's work because what God's work is doing is bringing his realm and his reign and his kingdom into this broken world. And as he does that, Satan doesn't just, and powers, principalities or whatever, don't just sit there and go, oh, that's nice. Oh, look it. You know, look at Brent's life has all gotten put back together pretty much. Well, not totally, but it's getting there. You know, oh, look, um, you know, that person who is an addict is getting straight. Oh, look at this marriage that was falling apart. It's coming back together. Oh, look, those people that were freaking out about their financial situation are at peace about it now because they've realized that God's taking care of them. Satan doesn't sit back there and go, oh, that's nice. And if you begin to start doing ministry things, it's kind of like the old far side. Some of you remember the far side with Gary Larson? He's a cartoonist back in the day. He did some hilarious comedy cartoon things every day. We used to read all his stuff. One of his really funny ones that I always love is these, these deer in a forest talking to each other. And the one deer is turning to the other deer, and, and, and they're looking at a third deer who's a little bit further off who literally has a bullseye on the side of him. And the one deer turns to the other and goes, bummer of a birthmark, you know? And the reality is that when you begin to start doing things that God has called you to do, you have a target on you. And anybody who's done this very long or has been involved in this, and I'm telling you this because I feel like there's probably some of you here today who've had stuff going on and you're going, I, what, why is all this stuff happening? And some stuff just happens because we live in a broken world. And some stuff happens because the fallenness of our world, you know, we get cancer from the brokenness and fallenness of our world. We get all those kind of things. But some of it does come, there's a spiritual element to that. And if not just an element, Satan tends to um, jump on or pile on to things that are already going. Somebody described it like this. They said, if you take a grand piano and you open it up and you sing into it, the, the, the... um, frequency that you're singing will, will vibrate with certain strings in the piano. It'll resonate with that. And so if you struggle already with anxiety, guess where you're going to be attacked probably? Anxiety. If you struggle with worry, if you struggle with impatience, if you struggle with sexual or physical or, or sexual or drug addictions and stuff, you know, all of those things become, become a reality. They, um, they get accentuated. And so why do we do this? So that we can stand strong. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This isn't something where we just try and white-knuckle it and go, you know what, I'm going 
I'm going to bowl through this. You know, we, we're not, we don't want to be like, um, I think his name was Brooks. From if you, Any of you been watching the NBA final or the games? You guys, what do you guys do all the time? I don't know what you, are you praying all the time? Or, like, am I the only one that watches this stuff? Anyway, one of the games, the Lakers were playing Memphis, and I happen to be, I know some people don't like this, I happen to, I happen to still really like LeBron James, and, and I like the Lakers, and so I was watching him, and Dylan Brooks, one of the guys from Memphis, like the second or third game, you know, they're interviewing people, and, and they asked him about LeBron James, and he's from Memphis, and he goes, yeah, he's an old man. I, I won't respect him until he, until he uh, whatever, dumps 40 on me. And, and I was like, oh, there's certain things you just don't want to do, dude. You know, certain things you don't want to do. That's one of the things you don't want to do. You don't want to tug on poop, Superman's cape. You don't want to spin into the wind. And what else don't you do? You don't mess around with Jim, right? Yeah, there's a song. You don't poke the bear kind of thing. And so... Um, we, we have these powers that are greater than ourselves. You know, that one of the things that Dylan Bricks wasn't realizing is that he was poking a bear that was greater than him. And it showed. Guess what? The Lakers won that series. Guess how much they won by? 40 points. Wow. It's like, yeah, don't poke the bear. So we have a, we have a powerful enemy we have a powerful enemy. Martin Luther put it like this, and I love um, some of the old, some of the old hymns are cool. They have some cool looks. If I brought it, I don't know if I brought it. Yeah, I did. He says this. Mighty fortress is our God, a bulk work never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood, our mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Die we in our own strength confide. Our striving would be losing. We are not the right man or woman. We're not the right man on our side. Doth ask who that may be. I know I'm using old English here. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. All of, and through this world, with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his, triumphed, his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim will tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And he goes on and says this. The word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours, through him who, with whom we sideth. Let good and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom reigns forever. And so we want to be people. Why do we wear this? We want to be people who, who, who stay strong, who finish well. And we need to realize that we're going out into this and there are realities of things. That, and again, I don't want to freak any of you out or come in and go, oh, that's scary or whatever. You know, because we have an amazing God. And I'll get into how we do this in a second. We have this amazing God. 
who is so much bigger than all these things. You know, one of the things that Dylan Brooks didn't realize is that, that he, was, he was poking a bear that was bigger than him. In the final game when they won by 40, which was really funny, um, there's another player named Anthony Davis. He literally, you know, when it talks about standing your ground, he literally put a perimeter around where the Memphis was trying to score that they basically couldn't penetrate. It was amazing. I've never seen a defensive performance like that. It was like, holy moly. And that's what Paul's saying here, that, that God puts a, a defensive perimeter around us that's so much greater than we can imagine, that our God is so much greater than all these things that I'm talking about. We're not, but he is. He's armed, our enemy's armed with cruel hate. So, first point. The why. Second point, and I have like five million slides here, sorry, is what? What do we put on? Put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. What does that mean? What does it mean to, to put on God's armor? And you know what? It's kind of funny. I've read this a billion times and I've never really thought. I, you know, I've heard different things on it. I'm like, what, what exactly does that mean? Have you ever thought that when you read it? Like, what it, I mean... Like what helmet? Da, 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 da. I, I think what he's saying is something. Uh, let me put this in kind of a simplified fashion. I think what he's saying is like, remember when the, when the disciples are in the boat with Jesus one of the times, and they're going across the sea. To they're going to the the city of Gennesaret, and there's a demonic person there that Jesus is going to deliver. Remember that. As they're going there. This giant storm comes up, which is kind of reflective of as we go to do ministry. Have you ever realized when you go to do something for God, and you'll realize this probably at some point, if you decide to begin following Jesus, you're going to realize that when you go to try and come to church, you know when, when people, when Teresa and I get in the biggest, you know, the most, we don't have a ton of fights, but the biggest fights or whatever, it's when we try and go to pray together, or you try and go to church together. Or you try, do you know what I'm talking about? Or you try and go to do something, you'll find 5,000 reasons not to do it. What is that? So Jesus is in the boat, and they're going over there, and as they're going, this big storm comes up, and they begin sinking, and Jesus is sleeping in the front of the boat with like he brought a little silk pillow, and he's laying there, and there the water's coming in, and they wake him up, and they go, Master, don't you care that we're drowning? We're going to drown here. And Jesus gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and then he rebukes his disciples. And you know what he says to them? He says, where is your faith? He didn't say, have faith. He said, what? Where, where is it? Where, where did it go? And part of the problem was, and this is, I can relate to this because it's me is that when that was going on, their faith, they had faith. Did they believe that Jesus at this point was, was probably the Messiah, the, the ruler of heaven and earth? Yeah. Did they believe that he had miraculous powers that could do all kinds of great things? Yeah. Did they believe that God's purpose was going to be filled, fulfilled through his life? Yeah. They had faith up here, but it hadn't worked its way down here. And so when he talks about having a shield of faith or having a belt of or having a, um, a belt of truth around us, what he's saying is that we take 
what's true of what God says and we bring it into ourselves so that when stuff starts coming against us, when Satan starts coming against us, we are able to respond to it. When at my tendency, and, and all of us have different things that we tend to react to. We all have trigger points and buttons in our lives, right? I tend to go to the God hates me thing. You know, I like during this whole time of kind of weird things going on, we've had like a huge amount of car problems, lawnmower. Literally, I go out to mow the lawn one day and the wheel falls off my lawnmower. And then another wheel falls. And, you know, stuff like that's going on. And I go, God must be mad. You know, my first thought, God must be mad at me. You know what should be my first thought? You know, I am deeply loved by God. That he loved me so much, he sent his son into this world to die for me. And you know what? He's going to somehow take care of this. This lawnmower has become like this big thing to me at this point because I've put like four different wheels on it and they keep falling off and blowing up. And it's just, I have a demonized lawnmower. Does anybody know how to do deliverance on lawnmowers? I, I just need a, it's really what this message is about. Um, but anyway, so, so, I'm a, so, you know, one of the things as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, when he talks about take up the shield of faith, he's saying, you know, we need to be able to, to and the simple things of the day-to-day, you know, simple day-to-day activities, apply those truths that we know up here and get them down here. We need to be able to put on a belt of truth that says, you know what, my brain and my, my self-talk tell me that God hates me. My self-talk tells me that I'm a failure. My self-talk tells me that I'm never going to accomplish this thing. That's what my self-talk tells me. But you know what, I need to tell myself what God's telling me, not what my brain, not what my self-talk, not even what some people might tell me. I need to tell, I need to tell myself. I need, and that's why he says, put on, you put on. God's armor. Do you get it? What do we put on? We put on God's armor. We put on the fact that, okay, I may feel like because of this circumstance that God doesn't like me or that somehow I've done some great sin that I don't even know about. You know? When Jesus talks to the disciples, he says, Master, don't you know we're going to do... Um, drowned, and he got to rebuke the wind and raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. Well, it's up here. And Jesus is going, I want you to have it down here. So when the storms come, because you're going to have more storms than this, you're going to have much bigger storms than this that you have to face. But when you're facing, I want you to be able to face these kind of smaller storms on a daily basis with faith. I want you to to, to, to take time to practice and to, to, to push, to, like Paul, Paul prays for the, the Ephesians, the, the passage actually that Kaylee read this morning, that they may have the power to grasp the love and the height and breadth and depth of God's love for us so that when the evil day comes, guess what? We're able to stand and we go, you know what? I know all this horrible crap is going on. I know, you know, maybe you just find out you have cancer. Maybe you're going through financial difficulties. Maybe you're going through marriage difficulties. But you can face it because you're going, you know what, there's an amazing amount of love and grace and I'm one of God's beloved children. Not only has God raised me from the dead, has he taken me out of my old life, given me new life, but he seated me in the heavenly places with Christ. He, he gave me not a back seat, like Brent, go sit over there, okay? You know, you kind of stink, go over there. 
It's not like that. He says, I want you to come and sit right here. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, and he says, come and sit here. Do you get this? Holy cow. What's your self-talk? What do you tell yourself? What part of this do you need for yourself? And think about these things that, that are in the armor. And, and, and that brings me to my last point, or not my well, second last point, is how. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How do we do that? We do that by, like I said, by letting those things begin to impenetrate our hearts so that when we're facing difficulty on a daily basis and we're dealing with this world, not only with just the general evils in this world, but with the fact that there are evils behind the evils. Have you realized that sometimes you go, you know what, that, that serial killer or whatever, that just didn't seem normal. You know what Hitler did when he decided to exterminate whatever, six million Jewish people? That's not, that's not like normal. There's, some, there's some, something beyond normal that's driving that. And all of these things are truths. In fact, in some ways, they could all be subsumed under the belt of truth because all these things are truths that if we begin to appropriate into our lives could really help us have a much better, more victorious life. That you have the belt of truth buckled around yourself. There's a book that, that I used to use for, with people to help them in counseling. It was called Telling Yourself the Truth. So instead of telling yourself, I'm, I'm crap, God doesn't love me, God hates me, blah, blah, blah. Is that really what God says about you? No. No. Does he say that we're broken, fallen people? Yeah, we are. Does he say that we are loved more than we could ever imagine? Yeah, he does. When we're in financial difficulty, does he say, is God running around going, oh my gosh, this is terrible. You just lost your job. I don't know what to do. You know, you are in, you, are, you might as well just hang it up. Life is over, as you know. Is that, what, is that what God, no. We go, you know what, my father has cattle on a thousand hill and he's going to take care of us, you know, all these years that Teresa and I have been doing this. God has always taken care of us. And I forget about that. We're, we're supposed to what? Forget none of his what? Benefits. Forget none of his benefits. That, remember that time that this happened? God took care of us. Remember that time that the really hard things happened with my parents? Yeah. God helped us walk through that. Does God always deliver us from? No. Sometimes he walks with us through the difficulties we go through. See, Satan doesn't... There's a great quote that I, I, I had at the very beginning of the message. I didn't use that, but I'll, I'll use it now. It's that Satan doesn't leave fame marks on your neck like a vampire. And that's how our world sees it, kind of like. Either the evil is like the exorcist or like Dracula kind of thing, or else it's just not true. 
And the, the reality is that Satan doesn't leave fang marks, on your, fang marks on your neck. He leaves lies in your heart. And what we want to do in this whole process is we want to end up becoming reflexive in our Christian life so that when stuff begins to happen to us, our first response isn't, God hates me, isn't, I'm just going to end it, isn't whatever you usually tell yourself. God wants to break some lies over you this morning. You know, I think we tell ourselves lies. I had something happen the other day. I mean, I just have stuff happen. But, you know, I'm a pastor, so I get to tell you what happened to me. Um, so, so I'm driving. I'm giving um, blood for a test I got for some, some who knows what uh, something's going on inside of me somewhere. So I, it's one of the many tests I've had over the years. And, and I'm going through, and I'm, I'm driving on Mentor Avenue, and over in Mentor, you know, Mentor Avenue and Mentor. And it's, it's two lanes each way. And I'm, I'm just leaving this place, and I'm looking for the title bureau because I've, I got this car that I'm fixing up and stuff. And so I'm looking for the title bureau. And in front of me, I didn't realize it, and I think it was, um, you know how there's a lot of new electric cars out? There's a new Chevy one out that we actually rented when we were down in, in Florida. It's called a Chevy Bolt EUV kind of thing. It has this really cool thing called one-foot driving where the, gener- the regeneration things on it will actually stop the car for you at a certain distance with people in front of you so you really don't have to use the brakes. Well, the only thing they didn't think through with that process is that when you actually come to a stop, when you actually start decelerating, it has a, a thing in it that helps trigger brake lights a little bit. But once you stop, if you're stopped, there's no brake lights. And so I'm driving around. I'm driving down Manor Avenue. You know, I'm watching cars going. And da, 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 da. Next thing I know, I'm a, literally about 30, 35 feet from somebody who I realize is completely stopped, and I'm going 35 miles an hour. Now, I'm not a physicist, but going 35 feet, 35 miles an hour, I have maybe 1.2 seconds to respond to that, Right? So, one of the dangerous things that happens when you ride a motorcycle, drive a car, or anything, is that you tend to drive at what you're looking at. Did you know that? And one of the things I've done for ever since I started riding, I've learned about that. And so I, and I still practice this to this day. What I do is I try, I, I practice, first of all, quick stops, because I don't, never know when I'm going to have to do a quick stop. And I also practice looking at where I want to go, not what's in front of me. And so when this happens, and this person is just there, maybe I just didn't pay attention. I, I think I was paying attention because that's one thing I tend to do on the bike is I do tend to pay attention. And I, and I didn't see any brake lights. And so, um, so anyway, it, what I did is instantly I, I grabbed the brake I veer to the I look at where I want to go. I veer to the side. I hit both front and back brakes. The bike slides out a little bit this way. And I stop about eight feet from behind them. And the people behind me are probably going, cool. But do you know why I was able to do that? Because reflexively, I practice that all the time. I practice that in little ways, in big ways. I drive Teresa crazy with it sometimes because I'll do it even with her and I'll try the quick break thing because I want to know how, I, how much I can stop with two people on it. She's like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm practicing. For what? For, well, in case we have, never mind. Um, <clears throat> I want us to be a people that reflexively quit 
just being jerked around by stuff that we begin to really believe the, the truths of God, that we be people that, when, when we're talking about putting on the armor of God here, that we realize that's just not some weird metaphor that we should, in one church I was in once, I remember there was this lady in front, she had brought some of the, remember the plastic armor that she used to get maybe when you were kids with the Roman sword and all, she had all that stuff and she's running around up front, and she was really sweet, but it was really kind of distracting. Um, He's not talking about that. What he's talking about is faith and righteousness and justice. We're to be people who not only ha- have that embedded in us, that have the presence and the person of God embedded in us, but also that reflect that on into the world, that we bring justice and we bring righteousness, and that, are, that our feet are shod with the, the, the boots of the gospel. I pray for people all the time that they, wherever we walk, there's this, passage that says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That we would be people that bring good news wherever we go. And that we would be people that I think part of what God wants to do today is just have us not live in this kind of covered darkness thing that we live under sometimes. These lies that we live under sometimes. And a final word, the way that we do this is we need prayer. We need to pray for each other. We need to be in community. I'm glad that you're all here. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. By the way, all these words are for the whole church, not just for us individually. They're for all of us. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people and pray, pray for each other. We pray for each other. Pray for also for me. Whenever I speak, my words will, may be given to me that I will make, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. That we'll have the power and the grace to present the message that we're supposed to do. And so a final word about community and prayer is that we need to be in community and we need to be praying for each other. And let me just close with these beautiful words from this song I I found, and it's, it's about this. It says, Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper the sweet amen of peace. For not with swords, loud clashing, or rolling of stirring drums, but with deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. Lead on, O King Eternal, we follow not with fears, for gladness breaks like the morning, Where'er your face appears, your cross is lifted over us. We journey in its light. The crown awaits the contest. Lead on, O God of might. Wow. Father, just come. I just sense your presence here, Lord. I sense that there's people that have been living under some lies about who they are, about who you are about how you see them. I pray right now that we would begin. I, I want to invite you to get prayer for some of those things this morning. If you want to come up and get prayer, you can come up and get prayer. If you want to ask somebody next to you, you can do that. I want to ask our small group leaders and our, some of our, our leaders in the church to come up. Just be available to pray. I want, I want, if you've had stuff that's just been going on in your mind that's really taken you down, that's been going on for longer than a couple months or whatever, years, 
I want you to come and get prayer for that. If you've had stuff going on in your marriage for a long time, if you're struggling in your finances, those are all areas that we get attacked in. So please come and get prayer. Would you come up, small group leaders and, and some of the church staff and stuff, would you come on up and just be ready to pray? And um, We're just going to take some time to pray. I, Father, just come. Come and begin your work. And we're just gonna we're just gonna have some music playing. You're welcome to come and get prayer for this. You're welcome to um, to hang around if you want to go out and just hang out with the, each other. That's cool. Just you can just go out there in the lobby and hang out. We're gonna do that. So Father, we bless this. I may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make His face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>